Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And that is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Ridge Radio. And we are coming at you from the great state of Texas. I am your host, A.W. Varilla, and next to me, like always, the president of this shebang. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back. Steve Denhartog. So uh, what's what's happening, Steve? I know that we always uh, want to talk about bridge news. and Always um, moving forward, anticipating the, the things we got coming up in the future, new, new opportunities for ministry with, uh, you know, some possibly some seminary classes we yeah. got coming up and uh, new building, new facilities. So we're very excited how the Lord has just continued to, to guide and provide and direct and just wanting to be faithful to what he's wanting to do here on the border with, with Mexico. Yeah. Uh, we, and we have a lot of things that are just happening in the next couple of weeks with, with again, with the seminary, with the building and, and for our listening audience out there, thank you again for giving uh, I do want to give a shout out to one of our uh, contributors yeah. who uh, sent us a letter. Uh, and I just want to say uh, thank you to Nathan Lane from West Virginia. Uh, your letter was very encouraging to us. And, and, and thank you for listening. And thank you again for all of our listeners out there who give uh, uh, because we can't do this without you. And pray um, for us too. And pray for us. Yes. Pray for us uh, because uh, we just want to do the Lord's work mm-hmm. and, and bring uh, the gospel down to the people of South Texas, to Mexico, uh, to South America. And we're hoping to uh, do that through teaching and discipleship exactly. here at Bridge. And, and again, we are popping from the seams. So uh, thank you for all your contribution. And, 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 and God is going to move and he has moved. And uh, we just uh, have been so humbled of how he has just worked here through this ministry, Amen. Uh, especially the last 10 years that you, uh, you guys have been. We've uh, grown grown dramatically from where we started out, just a little resource ministry mm-hmm. with a few books and Bibles on the shelf to where we are now. So it's all, all for the praise of God, for his glory and the building up of his kingdom. Yeah, it's not about us. It's all about him. Uh, uh, please subscribe to Apple, Android, Google, and Stitcher Radio. And please visit our website at bridgemenlaredo.org. And let's talk about our guest this week. This week, we have Texans' own author and pastor, Dr. Adam Griffin from Eastside Community Church. And we're going to be talking about uh, his book that he co-wrote with Matt Chandler Mm. uh, for our Texas audience. You guys know Matt Chandler. Um, And we're going to be Matt Chandler from Village Church in Dallas, Texas. Uh, But Adam is going to be coming on. I don't think that Matt Chandler is going to come on. He's a a really busy guy. (laughs) But uh, we're going to be talking about his book, Family Discipleship, Leading Your Home Through Time, Moment, and Milestone. Mm. Uh, Going through this book, it was a very practical book in how to disciple your family. Oh, so important. And it's, oh, man, this book. And uh, we're going to just touch on some of these uh, 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 things in his book. Um, Obviously, we want you to go out and get the book, um, especially all the good things that he has uh, going on in the book, which we'll talk about in the podcast. So, yeah. Uh, Family discipleship. You're you're a minister to your family first. Mm, So, yeah, that's so important. Absolutely. And just how practical uh, uh, Adam and uh, Matt uh, do in this book is just very encouraging. And the book is from Crossway. So if you guys want to get it right away, you know, I'm sure you can find it uh, somewhere. Um, 
on Amazon and the Crossway website, but we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk about that at, at the end of the podcast. All right, Steve. Well, why don't we get this podcast started? You ready? Let's do it. All right. Dr. Adam Griffin is lead pastor of Eastside Community Church in Dallas, Texas. He previously served as an elder and spiritual formation pastor at Village Church. Adam lives in Texas with his wife, Chelsea, and three sons. Welcome, Adam Griffin, to Bridge Radio for the first time. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to join you today. Well, thank you for coming on, um, you know, preparing for this podcast and going through your book uh, that you co-wrote with Matt Chandler, uh, uh, right? That's correct? And Yeah, Matt and, Chandler. Some people have heard of him. He's a great guy. <laughs> yeah, who? nobody's heard of that guy. <laughs> um, I really, uh, going through your book, I really enjoy how practical the book is. And in helping out families in discipleship, and we'll we'll talk about this. But um, before we start talking about the book, Adam, can you just please share a little bit about yourself and how God drew you to saving faith? Oh, sure. Uh, well, I grew up in uh, the northern part of the of, of America in Wisconsin, around Milwaukee. My dad is a pastor. Several of my cousins and uncles. My older brother is a pastor. Pastoring is kind of a family business, although. I never expected to do it. I, I actually was a public school teacher and went to school to be a teacher and uh, loved doing uh, young life and student ministry. And uh, when I got out of college, I did do student ministry for a little bit before I went into uh, teaching. But uh, the way the Lord saved me, I mean, I don't remember a single day growing up that I didn't know who Jesus Christ was, didn't know that he had saved me. And yet there are big leaps forward in my faith journey, especially in my early 20s where I believe that I was walking in saving faith, absolutely, had known him for a long time, but had walked in a lot of kind of Bible trivia arrogance that thought because I knew a lot about God and knew a lot about the Bible, that that must mean that I'm a Christian who follows Christ. But a lot in my life was duplicitous, was uh, was uh, sin running rampant in excusable ways in my mind. And then the Lord really uh, convicted my heart and uh helped protect me and led me away from temptation, delivered me from evil. And I feel like uh, I I have uh, every year of my life been more appreciative of the grace of God to see victory and sin in my life and to give me desires for Him instead of desires for the world. So I'm a a lifelong knower of Jesus Christ and a follower of of Christ since uh, probably my early 20s. Mm, Wow. Well, thank you for that. Um, So, why don't we go ahead and start diving into the book, uh, Adam? Um, so, what is family discipleship? Yeah, in the book, we define family discipleship as the important and mostly ordinary spiritual leadership of your home. So, if you're a parent and you're a Christian, the role of every Christian parent is to disciple their children the same way it is to make disciples of all nations. Uh, that includes making disciples in our own homes. So that's your job as a spiritual leader to, to teach your children to obey everything that Christ commanded and to teach them everything that he taught. And so we call that important and mostly ordinary. Important because it's something that the Lord asked of us right there. That makes it important. It's also important because it, 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 it adds to the mission that we have to see souls saved in your own household. That's important. We also call it mostly ordinary because most family discipleship is not some kind of superlative experience where uh, kids are just kind of sitting at your feet while you lecture and they can't get enough of it. It's uh, most of it's the everyday conversations about who is Jesus, who's God, who who are we in light of the gospel, and it's the uh, um, 
every week, every month, the times that you sit down together as a family to, to talk about the things of the Lord together. It's, it should be very normative for the believer to have Christian faith conversations with their children. So it's the everyday spiritual leadership, and that's why we tried to make a simple, approachable, practical framework for what that could look like in any family. Yeah, and that's one thing I really appreciate about your book, um, especially you got uh, charts and questions throughout your book that uh, can help and assist a family. I do really appreciate, too, that, uh, you know, discipleship is not easy. And uh, I really appreciate in, in, in the introduction of your book, you say, we can assure you that family discipleship seesaws between disappointing and delighting. And, and, and I'm sure for our listeners out there who do disciple their families, uh, it's not an easy task. And, uh, you know, we can, we can talk about, uh, that a little bit more, maybe later on in the po- podcast. Um, so, uh, why don't we move into, uh, uh, another part of chapter one, which you make it really easy for <laughs> to do this podcast. Cause everything is just so practical and you can, um, uh, I, it, it was easy to read and grab the questions. I mean, I was like, man, this is going to be great and look forward to doing this podcast. So, um, Adam, what is family mm-hmm. discipleship is not, and I and I found that super important when you 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 questioned yeah. that in your book. Yeah, there's uh, several things that I think I'll, I'll point to a couple of them, but family discipleship is not what we call freeform spiritual exploration. It's not just telling your kids, "Hey, I'll tell you what Christianity is, but you decide for yourselves what's true one day, and you kind of pick what's true." It, it's indoctrination, which has become a little bit of a dirty word in this generation. Indoctrination sounds like brainwashing, but mm-hmm. it's not. Indoctrination is telling your kids what's true. And we believe it would be such a crime to raise kids knowing that there's only one way to be saved. There's one way, truth, and life, Jesus Christ. And it would be such a farce to lead your kids to believe that there's many ways to God or that there's any way they choose to God. But rather, we're going to tell our kids what's true. So family discipleship is not just kind of freeform spiritual exploration, it is indoctrinating your kids in the truth of what Christ has taught and who he is. And then the other thing that's one of the most important things we talk about in the book, I believe, is that family discipleship is not a way to raise popular kids. This is not a way to say, we're going to raise nice kids, we're going to raise broadly appealing kids. Family discipleship is preparing your kids to be ready to stand up for what they believe, even when the rest of the world is repelled by it, even when the rest of the world is repulsed by them as a person because of what they believe. And it's not saying that we want to raise kids to be intentionally irritating, but it is saying that we're going to raise kids ready to stand up for what they believe, even if it does irritate other people. Because family discipleship is not a way of saying, hey, I I just want my kid to get along with everybody and everybody to love my kid, although that is the temptation, as any parent can tell you. But it's preparing my kid to believe what we believe, even if everybody else turns the other direction. It's, It's raising kids to swim upstream, if you will. And so that's a really important part of family discipleship, that it's not just raising kids the world will love, it's raising kids the world will hate. That's because that's what the the, uh, the Savior, Jesus Christ, has told us. They hated me, don't be surprised when they hate you. And so I want my kids to be prepared for that. That means settled into what they believe, and uh, in a way that means we're not going to follow the crowd unless the crowd is following Jesus. Yeah, so true, especially in this uh, moment in time that we are living in and um, how difficult it is for uh, uh, children, you know, and with just social media, uh, 
uh, school and just just how secular you know everything has just become. Uh, and and I really appreciate all the other points that you make in that chapter, uh, which you know, for our listeners, we're not going to give you everything in this book. You need to go out and get it. So, <laughs> all right, like yeah. it's, there's so much that we're gonna we're gonna give you here. But um, uh, again, what you just said, uh, I really appreciate that under one of your headings, family discipleship is not a way to raise popular kid. But you say raising kids who follow Christ means you're preparing a generation ready to be comfortable being different and even looked down upon by culture that think thinks that they know better. And I'm just repeating what you just said. And I, I was, and I highlighted yeah. that because it is so true because man, we get looked at, we look, we get looked down upon um, uh, as Christians and they're like, Oh, you know, you Christians, you guys don't know anything. So yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, and honestly, we live in a country where we have been the majority religion for so long that we're very used to Christians being held in high regard for our morality or understandable beliefs. But uh, we're increasingly marginalized, and that's not unhealthy for us, honestly. We don't need to be a popular religion. We're just the true one. And so I want my kids to be prepared to follow not what's popular, but what's true, regardless of how culture sways in the next generation. Yeah, so true. So, Adam, what does it mean to lead your family? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I think a lot of people, when you think about leading your family, they think about, um, you think about what Christ said to his disciples about leadership when asked who's going to be the greatest. <laughs> and in your family, you may be thinking, uh, what well, to lead my family means to be the greatest. And what Christ says is the way the Gentiles think of the greatest is somebody who lords over the other ones. But what's going to happen in the kingdom of God is that to be the greatest means to serve everyone else, to make yourself lowly. For he says, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so we believe that leading your family means serving your family. It means looking at your family and determining what are the needs of your family and being the one who initiates meeting those needs. So to, to lead your family is not to be his lordship or to be the master. I mean, you have a master. That's Jesus Christ. But it's to serve your kids. So if I want to think about, as a husband, how do I lead my wife? I think about how do I serve my wife. If I want to think about how do I lead my kids, I think how do I serve my kids. And one of the biggest things I can do for my kids is model leadership and train them to be servant-hearted leaders. That means confident in the way we're going to meet the needs of other people. And that's what I want for my young boys. I want them to grow up to be servant-hearted leaders, not guys prepared to command other people and what to do, but guys prepared to sacrifice themselves for the sake of the needs of others. And that's the same thing that I want for men and women as you think about leading your family. And, and, that's, a, and that's a difficult task uh, uh, yeah. uh, as a man, because you have to really be uh, just thoughtful how to do that. Um, and, and I know that that's not easy. Uh, and, and, and this is why I think your book is so important for, um, you know, maybe, maybe that family out there who is just struggling uh, a little bit. And, and I think your book does a good job of just, uh, steering, uh, a family in that direction, you know, um, which is absolutely incredible. Um, great. Can we can we talk a little bit about family discipleship moments? This was really really yeah. uh, interesting to me when I was reading your book. Yeah, family discipleship moments. So we we have a framework. We talk about modeling. We talk about time moments and milestones. And moments 
is leveraging everyday opportunities for talking about the gospel. We talk about talking about um, uh, godly character and godly characteristics or characteristics of God. So what is God like? And what are we to be like when we talk about godliness? What does it mean to be godly? And we think of moments as opportunities that you don't necessarily have on the calendar, but they just come your way where you can leverage those opportunities to share the gospel with your kids, to speak about what's true. And so for us, uh, that could be something as simple as uh, if we're driving home from school, we pass a car accident, we pray over the people that were involved and for the first responders or or it can be often for parents, it's in a moment of discipline. It's when your kid has done something they should not have that you warn them against. And now you have an opportunity to have a conversation with them. And it's not just going to be about punishments and explanations, but hopefully you're going to leverage that opportunity as a family discipleship moment to use the language from the scripture, language that you fostered as a family to point them back to Christ, to grace and to peace. And uh, family discipleship moments happen all the time, whether it's looking at nature or whether it's watching a movie together playing a family game or having a family dinner, there's constantly opportunities to talk about God throughout the day and to talk about what it means to be godly. Uh, So for us, um, we talk about in the book about fostering or creating a family language. If you're married, for you and your spouse to have the same kind of language, to be able to use the same words to explain things and describe things. We offer some scriptures with which to do that or some phrases that we use. But uh, for example, in our church, we have uh, 10 foundational truths that we use in our kids' ministry, but we also use in our adult ministry. And this week, I preached on one. It was that God is in charge of everything. And so for a kid, you say God is God is always in charge is something explainable to a kid. But for adults, it's also some of the deepest theology we study. It's uh, predestination and free will and salvation. It's our soteriology. It's God is always in charge. It means he's all-knowing and all-powerful, and how do we explain the problem of evil? That's all summed up in this very simple language that we can use in a family discipleship moment. Like if you're watching the news and something terrible happens, we can assure our kids, hey, just remember one thing. We know one thing is true. God is always in charge. So we don't have to fear right now that God lost control or that God is cruel or malicious. God is always good. God is always in charge. And we offer little language helps like that to to create that kind of thing. Or another example might be in my home where um, with three little boys, sometimes they will get in the fight. They'll push or punch. And so <laughs> I will ask my sons, I'll say, uh, when is the only time that it might be okay to push or punch? And then the answer is to protect. Mm. And so they know that answer. And so I get to talk with them. Well, when you were pushing or punching, is that because you were trying to protect someone? They say no. And so at the same time, I'm instilling in them not to push a punch. I'm also instilling in them the belief that I believe God gave them strength to help those who are not strong. And so we talk about that as well. That's a biblical principle that we believe is godly men. And moments are opportunities to leverage that, and they happen all the time. I really like where, uh, to add to that, I really like in your book how you make the moments very precious as well. Uh, you say, consider yeah. that every moment you get with your kid is one less than you will ever have again. Every minute you are together is a unique and special opportunity you will never get back. Moment in times are precious and they are non-renewable, which is why we treasure them. And that is so true. Like, um, you know, we we live in time and we don't, we don't get it back. You know, that's it. You know, it's yeah. one, one second, one minute that we are on this earth. And, 
um, taking those moments and holding on to them. Um, I, 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 I found, I, I found how you put it in, in, in the book just amazing, amazing. Cause it's so true. Yeah. We say, I mean, there's a lot of parental regret. And I think one of the things we say in that section is that while there's a lot of try agains, there's no, there's no do overs, you know, yeah. and we don't get to do it over again, but we can always try again. And every day is a new opportunity to take advantage of the moments that we have. And that's what we're trying to do is in, encourage parents in something that is so easy to feel discouraged and to feel despair uh, in parenting, it's easy to compare yourself or to think my kids aren't responding the way I want. And I, I want it to be truly encouraging. Parents, you can do this. And it is not that complicated. Yeah, so true. Um, why don't we move on um, to the father? Um, why is the father and the husband spiritual leaders? Uh, uh, excuse me. Uh, why is the husband and and fathers so important to the spiritual leadership um, in in the household? And why is that the most important thing that they will do in their life? Well, that's a great question. I, I think one of the uh, epidemics in our nation, you know, is fatherlessness. A yes. much higher percentage of kids are born into homes where they don't have a dad, or certainly the majority of kids are born born into houses where there's not married parents, and mm-hmm. and so there's a lot of fatherlessness, and that's rampant. And so to be a good dad is increasingly rare, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But dads have this call in their lives uh, that we misunderstand a lot. A lot of times, dad thinks uh, what I do to provide for my family is I go to work. And then when I come home, I am to relax. And that is what I'm supposed to do. And may I understand why we ended up thinking that. But the truth is, if you read the scripture, what it says is, yeah, you work. And then when you come home, you're going to work as well. Like when you go home, this is a place where you have authority, where you have a a job and you are not punching out to go home. You're punching in. So when you go home, punch in and be the dad that you're called to be. Instruct your kids in the things of the Lord. Uh, lead your family by serving your family. And I think a lot of there's there's a resistance. There's a there's a sense in which we say if fathers are supposed to be spiritual leaders, people think that's a sexist position. But that's only if you think that to be a leader is to be some kind of authoritarian position where you get whatever you want. You're commanding people. Mm. That's not what we're to do. We are yielding, submitting, and we are serving. That's what leadership looks like. It's the person who sacrifices for the sake of others who leads. And so fathers are called to come home and not command and get whatever they want, but lead yeah. in order to serve and to serve our kids' needs. And that doesn't always mean we don't face hardship and trouble. No, man, leaders are going to face that, and they should have their kids face it. We don't want to create entitled kids by always preventing them from unhappiness. No, we're trying to raise well-rounded kids. And so leadership means facing hardship as well. But unfortunately, there's a lot of dads who have never seen it and never seen it done well. And so some of the reason we wrote this book is to help those people who have never been around a family that disciples have a kind of a framework to work in to go, what could it look like for you to lead your family? Yeah. And, uh, for all the things that you just said, especially in this country where, uh, there's not a lot of fathers in the home and, and we, and we've seen what that does to the family when there isn't a father in the home, it it is just not good. Um, and, and, and you're right about how important it is just to, uh, uh, disciple and people being discipled. Um, in these areas for men, um, because I know I didn't get, I didn't get it in my household, you know, and, um, and and I grew up in a Christian household. My dad didn't know how to do these things. You know, I was left on my own, um, figure Mm. things out, you know, and, but 
at the same time, I see what uh, uh, um, a father, when he does a disciple his, uh, his household, what that produces, because I've seen it in um, the lives of our uh, church family, you know, and, and it's a wonderful thing to see. And, and, and I hope to model that um, uh, in my family as well. Um, and, and I don't do, obviously I don't do it perfectly, but, uh, I continue to work on it, you know, because it is uh, difficult, which, um, leads, yeah. leads me to the next question about, um, uh, this, uh, planned discipleship time, um, that you talk a little bit of in your section in the book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what does that look like as far as time and how we utilize our time, uh, effectively? Yeah, family discipleship time is, in any form of discipleship, you're going to have appointments. You're going to have a time on the calendar where you're going to do something. And it, this is the bedrock kind of, of everything we're talking about in family discipleship, mm-hmm. is that you have some time that you're setting aside where this is all you're talking about, is, is the Lord. It's not, just, it's not just flying by the seat of your pants and hoping for a good conversation. Mm-hmm. It's putting it on the calendar. So for a lot of families, this, uh, a lot of Christian families, this Sunday morning, they're saying we're going to church together. That's family discipleship time. When it's on the calendar, we're going to do it. Yeah. Uh, but it's also uh, in different families. Every every family is different. Every kid is different. Every parent is different. But every one of us is is called by God to do this. So we figure out what it looks like in our family. For me, with young kids, uh, I have every bedtime routine that we have in the Griffin household has involves uh, reading, praying, singing. And then some scripture memory. We every night we are doing uh, a little story from the Bible. We're praying together. We're singing together. And then I say a blessing over each one of my kids. It's a verse that we've chosen for each one of my kids. We say that over them, and we send them to bed. So every night we have a family discipleship time. And like I said earlier, it's become normative and normal and ordinary for us. We've been doing that since they were born. Now for Chandler, who I got to write the book with. He's got older kids, so it looks a little bit different in his household. They're not doing a bedtime routine with his teenagers, uh, but once a week, he and his son are going out, and they're getting breakfast together, and they're talking about girls, they're talking about sin, they're talking mm-hmm. about Scripture, and once a week, his wife is going out with their oldest daughter, sim- having similar conversations. And so for them, their family discipleship time and their appointed times looks different. And as my kids grow, or as my kids change, or as my kids' needs change, Man, some of our plan is going to change as well, and that's just the nature of the thing. But uh, we try to make a uh, framework for family discipleship that is general enough to know this is going to fit every family, no matter if we're talking about kids with disabilities, older kids, younger kids, blended families, single parents, grandparents. It's going to fit. The framework's going to fit. Now, every family is going to look different, but the book is going to help you make your plan no matter what your family looks like. And it's not only just sitting down and studying the Bible together, but it's having times where you're serving together. It's uh, having a time on the counter where, like, uh, my kids have come with me to go serve uh, refugees at the local refugee center, or they've come with me to church early to help set up or to take down. And those are times when my family is living out the gospel together, or they've come with me to go visit neighbors who've needed a meal or who are sick. And that's inviting my kids into the service of our neighborhood as well as inviting people to our house for meals, inviting people to our house for holidays, and having time when we talk about uh, how thankful we are or how grateful we are or share the gospel with people. And those are great examples of family discipleship time that work well in the Griffin household, but every household is going to be a little bit different. 
Yeah, as my old pastors uh, 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 said that um, we do life on life, as you were mentioning, um, uh, Matt Chandler and his son going out to breakfast and talking about these things. And uh, I found I, f- I found that to be very useful uh, with just discipling men as well. Just uh, going out to have in breakfast or a cup of coffee and doing life on life uh, becomes yeah. huge. Um and and how that just starts uh, building a, a, a relationship um, uh, with that person, you know, and we're talking about family, but, you know, um, uh, I, I, I see how that tra- that translated into the family, how effective that can be, especially as your as as your family gets older and you, you need to make adjustments and how disciples discipleship is done. Yeah, exactly right. Um. Can you talk about a little bit about the charts and the and the and the plans that you have in your books and the questions? Um, because yeah. I found I found those very very useful um, as I was reading your book, which you know you don't see a lot of. Uh, I don't I, I haven't seen any discipleship books and how you guys have uh, set it up here yeah. for the family. For, as a guide. Well, I'll tell you what's typical is, you know, someone will write a book because they have a good idea about something. And then if the idea is worth working out practically, they'll sell a separate like study book or mm. workbook or yeah. leader's guide. And instead of doing anything like that, I didn't, I didn't want to have families who had to buy like multiple books. If you wanted to be involved in what we're talking about, we wanted to create a book that included the opportunity to foster a plan, to have questions that you could discuss well. And really the whole idea behind the book is that typically when Christians are going to get married, when you get engaged, you go through what's traditionally called premarital counseling, where you find a mentor or a pastor or a couple, and they walk you through a book or a series of questions or an inventory, and they help you prepare to get married. But for some reason, it's not traditional. It's not normative for us to, when you find out you're going to adopt, or you find out that you are pregnant, or your wife just got pregnant, we don't have a pre-parental counseling in the church. And there's tons of resources that help you get ready to be a spiritual leader, uh, maybe as a husband or a wife, and to think about that spiritually and what marriage means. And there's tons of books about, you know, navigating finances and sexuality and, and kids with uh, when it comes to um, getting married. And then there's a bunch of parenting books about, you know, making decisions about uh, when you're going to put your babies to sleep and when you're going to wake them up and what does discipline look like and what are, what are eating look like and how to deal with oppositional kids or difficult teenagers or how to make technology decisions. But we didn't feel like there's a book out there to really serve people that wanted to prepare to be spiritual leaders in their homes, either because they have older kids and they want to think about their families more Christianly or because they're becoming a parent for the first time. And so the charts and the questions or to help serve, uh, help this book serve as a resource to help you create a plan and that you could both get on the same page with if you're a married couple and think, how are we going to parent our kids? And then if you're a single parent, to invite some of your community into thinking about how you do this together. And one of the, my favorite things I've seen so far in the publishing of this book is groups of men reading through this book together. And there's some groups wow. of women too, but I haven't seen as much of that. But groups of men reading this book together, making plans together for their families, and then holding each other accountable to be disciple makers. I mean, what could be better than seeing uh, a better group of fathers in our churches raising up more mothers and fathers from within our churches? And 
I have just loved seeing the fruit from that. And again, that's the way the book is written. It's going to ask you some probing questions about what you want this to look like, what you don't want it to look like. And then what is your plan? How's it going to go? And then the, we adjust our plans. We're not trying to fit our kids into the plans that we make. We're trying to make plans that fit our kids. But yeah. it is all trying to be practical and helpful. And, and that's what I love about your book, that it, it, it it's, it's adjustable to uh, the family needs uh, and how the dynamics of that family might be because it's different for each family. Um, yeah. Um, before we start landing the plane here, Adam, how would you encourage a family if they're just struggling right now to get this started and, and, and where, where will you begin to just tell our, our worldwide audience that might be struggling to get, you know, going and start family discipleship and how would you encourage them? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I don't, uh, I think if you're, if you're getting ready to run a marathon, you don't get out day one and go, I'm going to run 30 miles today just to make sure I can run 26. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think the same thing is true. I mean, you would, you would be so sore. You'd probably end up in the hospital, honestly. <laughs> it just wouldn't be wise. And similar, if you're just starting family discipleship, you don't go, hey, I want to teach my kids the whole Bible, so I'm going to read them uh, the Old Testament today. Or you don't go, I'm going to read them Genesis 1 and try to kind of navigate my way through it. Now you take small bites, small steps, and you try to do things that you feel confident in as, as you're learning as well. And you, you take small steps. You also can start with uh, repentance. And you start with sitting down your family and say, hey, I'm sorry we haven't done this before, and I'd like to start doing this better. Maybe that's with your spouse. Maybe that's with your kids. But you're saying, forgive me for not being better at this before, but let's give this our best. And then I think the best encouragement I can give you is be consistent and diligent. That's the word that the Bible uses for it, is to be diligent. Be diligent in the way you care for your own soul. Be diligent in the way you impress these things upon your children. And diligent implies that it's going to be hard work that you're not going to give up on. So that's the encouragement the Bible would give you, is be diligent. Do not be afraid, but be diligent. And at the same time, understand that the first time you try something, it may not go well. In fact, the hundredth time you may try something, it may not go the way you want, but it's a bunch of small, ordinary interactions focused on the Lord that we're hoping stacks up uh, to be something glorious for His name's sake. Yeah, wow! You know, one of our one of the greatest inventors of this uh, of this country uh, had a lot of failures uh, before they succeeded, for sure. Um, yeah. Wow, um, Adam, that went really quickly. Um, one thing that we uh, like to do at the end of the podcast, um, as Romans uh, ten fourteen says, uh, how would they call on him who they have not believed? And how would they believe in whom yeah. they have not heard? And how would they hear without a preacher? Can you please share the gospel with our worldwide audience today? Absolutely. I think if there's anybody out there that's wondering, hey, people are basically good and I'm basically fine. Uh if, you, if that's the way you're looking at the world, then you're, you're not looking at the same world I am. This world is full of uh, despair. This world is full of hurt. It's full of wickedness. It's full of people treating each other cruelly, and there's, t there's rampant abuses. And while there may be people that are financially stable out there and feeling they have all their needs met and they don't need anything, if they're being completely honest, they could even acknowledge that there is a dissatisfaction in their own heart. Not only that, but there's no amount of finances or stuff in this world that you could have that would prevent you from one day dying just like everybody else who's ever died before you. All of us are mortal. 
And so we have to look at this world and, and you have to look at it and determine for yourself and, and understand uh, based on what we, what we believe that there's something more to this world than just uh, gaining physical um, treasure. And there's more to this world than just putting up with evil and wickedness, but all of it points to something else, that there's a creator God who made everything around us and everything that he made, he made good. Like, it was not a world full of evil. It was made good. But when evil entered the world through mankind's choices, now we live in a world broken by sin, separated from God. Because of that separation from God, we see people suffer as a result of their own mistakes. Everybody messes up, and everybody is messed up. And we see people suffer as a result of other people's mistakes. If you've been bullied or abused, you know that all too well. And we also don't live in a world that is... Uh, uh, able to overcome our own shortcomings. Man, we are helpless when it comes to that. But the good news is we're not hopeless. Uh, there's been an offering of purity through faith in Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we can have victory over sin ultimately. There's even victory over sin available today. There's relief from suffering. It doesn't mean that we will no longer face troubles. Our troubles don't get removed, but they do get reframed, that every trouble we face is still part of what the Lord's plan is for our life. And the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that 2,000 years ago, God himself, not only, the God who created everything, not only watched, not only was involved, but he incarnated among mankind in Jesus Christ, the Son, who is eternally the Son, feeding from the Father. And so the Son, Jesus Christ, was willing to live and die on the cross. And in his death on the cross, paid the penalty that was our penalty for our mistakes in order to bridge the separation between us and God. And since we know this to be true, now we live in confidence, knowing that the punishment of our sin is taken upon him. And those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ get to walk in confidence now in mission for him. And now we we live the way we live, not in order for God to love us, but because God has loved us. And in the love of God, now we are set free, not free to be our own masters, but free to follow the one good and right King, Jesus Christ. And in that freedom, now we get to also have confidence that we are on mission to share that truth with our kids, our neighbors, the nations. And one day we will get to enter the joy of our master, hearing from him, well done, good and faithful servant. If we are those who take what he has given us, which is 100% is, everything we've got, time, talent, resource, and we've invested it into the kingdom of God to see more fruit, more harvest now, to share the gospel that I've just shared with you around the world with those who do not know him, that we might know that one day there's a time coming where every tear will be wiped away and that we will, and every pain will be undone. Everything will be made new, a new heaven and a new earth. And it all be not for our glory, but for the glory of God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy spirit. Amen. You just gave me chills. Thank you for sharing the gospel to a worldwide audience, uh, Adam. Um, yeah. Our listeners, uh, please go out and get this book. You will be blessed. Family Discipleship, Leading Your Home Through Time, Moments, and Milestone by Adam Griffin and Matt and Matt Chandler by Crossway. You can get it here at the bookstore. Uh, for a worldwide audience, uh, if you can't get it, uh, please uh, reach out to us and we'll send it to you for free. Um, and and Adam, where can people find you? And besides here at Bridge, where can they get your book 
And if you want to be found, I always say that, uh, you know, maybe you don't want to be found, but if you're on social media (laughs) or somewhere, um, you know, or if, uh, you know, people are around the Dallas area, um, sure. Well, man, if you're living in Dallas, come see us at Eastside Community Church. We meet on the east side of Dallas. You can find that at eastsidedallas.org. You can follow me on Instagram at adamgriffin80. Uh, and you can find the book anywhere that you buy books online. You can find it at Amazon, but I think they've got better deals right now at lifeway.com, mm. the WTS books, and the Gospel Coalition. And certainly go find it here at your local bookstore. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Adam, thank you very much for uh, coming on to Bridge Radio. It has been a absolute blessing for me reading your book and having you on the podcast. And hopefully you can well, come back. My pleasure. Thank oh, you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes this week's episode with Adam Griffin on his book, Family Discipleship, Leading Your Home Through Times, Moments, and Milestone, also uh, written by Matt Chandler uh, from Village Church in Dallas, Texas. Um, I, I don't know what to say except that, you know, that we already didn't talk about in the podcast that, I mean, this book is just absolutely uh, amazing. And, and, and for our listeners, we really try to be intentional uh, about the people that we bring on on our podcast. Uh, uh, we want to guide you guys through just great, solid books. Uh, we don't randomly just pick out books that we bring on here. We want to make sure that you are blessed. Um, and this book, please go out and get it. You know, like Adam said, uh, for our men out there, uh, our husbands, our fathers, you know, go get this book. Um, I think it will change uh, how you disciple your family. And if, and if anything, man, for our men, you can also uh, get a group of men and go through it together and bring that back to your homes. I think it will be just absolutely transforming. Again, this is uh, the book is called Family Discipleship, uh, Leading Your Home Through Time, Moments, Milestone by Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin by Crossway Publishing. And uh, for our listeners, please don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Um, You'll find us there. So please follow us. And like we always end our show, guys, what is your only comfort in life and in death that I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. To next week, guys. Later. Later.